Are you aware that every year there are some housing and rental changes that occur in the state of California? In 2024, we have a few things that I want you to know about, and I'm going to give you also my comments and reactions to some of these. Let's go over the first one, which is related to San Francisco housing scrutiny. California's housing industry will assess San Francisco's progress towards its state-mandated housing goals every year starting next year, subjecting the city to a higher level of scrutiny than any part of the state. Other cities and counties will be evaluated every four years. This is a new law called SB 423 will add to the pressure San Francisco is already facing after the state housing agency conducted an unprecedented audit of its housing approval process and is threatening that the city must cut some of its red tape or lose control over permitting. Here's how I look at San Francisco's housing situation. They have a lot of houses available and a lot of units. And quite frankly, a lot of them are not that expensive. Can things be cheaper? They can. But the question is, would a developer still want to build anything? There's been a lot of things that were scheduled to be built in the past, yet they decided not to do it. And that's because it doesn't make any sense for them to do it. It doesn't make any sense for them to build it as rentals but it also doesn't make any sense for them to build it as condos for sale. So they're kind of stuck in this bind. The city needs to be realistic too. They can't just be like, I'm gonna mandate you to do things and no one wants to do it. But what are the ways to do it? You either gotta cut down on the cost of getting these things streamlined. You may even have to create some sort of tax incentives, but it's a very tricky thing going on right now, right? San Francisco is in a world of hurt, especially with how much they have lost in terms of decline of revenue and taxes. So while the state may be like, you gotta build more, 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 on the other end, the builders and developers are like, no thanks. Like this makes no sense to do. Even the ones that have already been ready to go aren't doing it. San Francisco doesn't have any money to incentivize them for anything unless you can get like some state money, federal money. Because look at what happened at the last APEC event. You thought homelessness can't be solved? They can absolutely be solved, but they chose not to. They chose just to be like, all right, we brought in a ton of people, inject money, move them around, put them furnished, clean up the streets, make it as beautiful as it has ever been. And then a few days later, everybody moves back in and it just, it just becomes messy again. So that's the biggest challenge that I see related to that is not just mandating them. This is not a red tape issue. This is a economics issue. It doesn't make any sense unless they can bring these together. Because of how poorly it's been ran, they probably need to get some external funding, which is not really solving the problem but at least it, it helps with the housing side of getting more developers to want to get in and do something about it churches and nonprofit education institutions will be allowed to build affordable housing on their land without having to go through an expensive laborious rezoning process or review under the california's environmental quality act sb4 this is dubbed a yes in god's backyard law this will allow for development of an estimated 171,000 acres across the state according to the U.S. Berkeley Turner Center. A couple of things about this. This measure stipulates that any organization building streamlined affordable housing on their property must maintain the affordability of those homes for a minimum of 55 years for rentals and 45 years for owner-occupied units. So this is a really interesting thing too because churches and nonprofit education centers, they already have very favorable tax laws. And so this really helps them even more. But the question is, does it make sense for them to become real estate developers? It's all a math equation. But this is a really interesting opportunity. It creates all that land because they have a ton of land that they couldn't really do much with it. They're not gonna build a bigger church unless they felt like they're gonna have the capacity. But it's sitting on a ton of land, but now they can build housing. So they may do some joint partnerships with developers if it makes sense. These are now opportunities for developers to be like, hmm, does this make sense? Should I get into this? Should I do this? Think about SB9. SB9 allowed you to do lot splits when it comes to a larger lot and making two separate lots to then build another house. So that technically can double the supply of that previous lot. And this is a huge lot. 
And so what they could do is they can try to do some math with partners, with developers and say, look, does it make sense? We can skip through all this cost and process. We can get this up and running. But the issue is, as you see, a good amount has to be for affordable housing. Same thing. They're gonna have to do the math see if it may work. But either way, at least it unlocks some. What I see interesting would be, is there a, like oh, a loophole? Like, can you actually convert churches just into all affordable housing? I'm not sure. Maybe you just have a really small church and now it becomes just this massive housing complex around it. There will be some interesting things. So I think this is a very interesting play for some developers. Security deposit cap. Scarcity and budget breaking rents can make searching for an apartment or house in many California cities a nightmare. But there's another factor that often places prospective homes into further out of reach sky-high security deposits. Current state law allows landlords to ask renters for security deposits equivalent to two months rent for unfurnished units or three months rent for furnished units. But under AB 12, which this will kick in in July of 2024, that amount will be limited to the equivalent of one month's rent. My opinion about this is there is actually very few people asking for two months rent or even three months rent. It's all supply and demand. Now, maybe in the peak of things, when things were continuing to go on the rise and things were red hot, it was a problem. But now rentals aren't that difficult. Like there's a lot of places giving free rents. Most are just doing one month anyway. So maybe there's some sub markets in California that are still having this, but it's all supply and demand. If there's not that much demand for units, people are gonna go for those that have better terms. One month of security deposit is a better term than two months. However, it was like one of the last things to really be concerned and worry about, so it's not that big. And the last thing is SB 712. This allowed tenants to store electric scooters and bicycles in their apartment as long as the battery meets certain safety standards. If a battery does not meet safety standards, then the tenant may have to purchase liability insurance or may be prohibited from charging the mobility device indoors. Kind of interesting. I don't know if you ever knew that that was a problem. I don't know about the electric scooters. I thought you could obviously bring those in. Maybe electric bikes may be different. I was surprised that this is even something that needed to be discussed. I would have imagined you would have been able to do it anyways inside. And for convenience, uh, it's maybe even a safety thing to leave it inside your apartment than like in a garage or in a bike rack or especially leaving it outside. I don't see this as being much of a concern. The only concern is like we've seen some small incidents of batteries like blowing up. That would be the huge concern. So the question is what kind of liability insurance will there be in case like something like that unfortunately happens. Uh, but then again, that will be the risk of the tenants. And then the tenants get to have to disclose if they have that to landlords to make sure like they have the proper coverage for that. Well, those are the things for 2024. So what did you think about it? Was there anything that I missed? Was there anything that's going to impact you as a homeowner, as a renter, or as a landlord? Leave in the comments below and I'll see you in the next video.